G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry YouTube and podcast channel. Today I'm here wrapping up everything AFL Fantasy from round 7 and there are a lot of coaches out there who need a day or two just to take stock after a pretty miserable weekend, I'll be honest. I am one of them, did not manage to eclipse the 1950 mark, which seemed like par this week, or 2000 was probably par for a lot of good coaches, but... Uh, I'm not in that bracket yet. Uh, I still managed to move up a couple of hundred spots, so I can't complain too much, but God, we're going to have some highs and lows in a 23-round season, and this was definitely one of the lows. There are a lot of blokes out there, and ladies, of course, who are uh, very unhappy with their AFL fantasy sides after a weird round seven. Team selection kicked it off on Thursday night, and it didn't get much better on the weekend. So without further ado, let me dive into the round seven wrap-up. Nineteen twenty-three did not seem like an achievable score uh, on Sunday morning. I had a pretty horrific Saturday, and it didn't get much better with Patrick Dangerfield as my skipper. But uh, let me start in defence, which was probably my strongest line, I'll be honest. Zach Williams continues to get it done. Brody Smith got another 80, so those two are still going up in value, which there are a lot of coaches out there that probably ditch them, so... It's tough to see that uh, for those blokes in that basket. Uh, luckily, though, they're helping to buoy my defence at the moment. Their time is limited, probably around the buys is when I'll look to chop them out, but they're getting the job done so far. Jake Lloyd junked it up late, thank God, and managed to get into the 90s, so I was happy with that. And Rory Laird, probably... I probably fell into a bit of the trap of bringing him in from his past fantasy days. He doesn't look like the same type of player, but he'll still probably be a top six defender, and hopefully there's better days just around the corner. I was lucky that I uh, didn't trade out Scrimshaw and held him because if I had traded him out, I might have been forced to get an upgrade, and that probably would have meant I didn't field Sydney Stack, who dropped an 89, which was great to see. Marty Hoare looked good as well, so now I face a difficult decision of trying to pick the right two out of those three to field this week. But all in all, defense was pretty solid. Things were not as positive in the midfield. I had three good scores from Cripper, who I did consider as my skipper over the last five minutes before lockout, but decided to stick to my guns, and that didn't pan out. But he, Matty Crouch, and Tim Taranto got the job done. I was pretty happy with their performances. I can't really complain anytime someone scores over 100, 105 for me. Brayshaw and Rockliffe, though, I tell you what, they are on thin ice now. I'm not going to go trading them out because I learnt my lesson about what happens when you trade out premiums. Just look at Witherden and Heaney back in round three and four. But if Brayshaw doesn't get it done against Gold Coast this week, I might be tempted to pull the trigger. The rookies, you know, you're going to get these scores. Uh, Ross and Will Hayes did their rookie duties and got me 60, which is fine. And Walshy, pretty good 80, but, you know, we've been accustomed to these hundreds, so... Hopefully he can bounce back and get closer to triple figures next week. I do face a bit of an interesting decision if uh, Charlie Constable comes in, similar to my uh, defence. I'll have to choose the right rookies to field. And, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in my ability there. But, yeah, midfield needs to pick it up. The Rucks were fine. Can't really complain. They were a couple of points off 100. Would have liked more from Brody Grundy. And Jared Witts had 60 hitouts to save his score, so... I'm not going to pull the trigger on Wits, I think, until he's by. I've been talking about that tactic for a few weeks now, and even though Max Gorn is in my sights and he had 120 on the weekend, I think 
considering he has around 14 buy, wits that is, and Max Gorn has around 13 buy, that'll be a perfect time for me to flip that. So it's something I need to keep my eyes on. If wits starts to really stink and go down the toilet, then I might be forced to do it sooner. But yeah, the rucks are fine for now. The forward line was a bit of a mixed bad. Tim Kelly looked pretty fantastic. Of course, there were the uh, dismal scores of Patrick Dangerfield, and Jack Billings didn't really get it done either. I was a bit disappointed with him, but yeah, Danger as my skipper was really the Achilles heel this weekend. If I had a cho chosen Crips, probably, I don't know, quick math, but it would have got me closer to 2,000 anyway, so a bit bummed about that. I'm glad I invested in Corbett over Nick Larkey. I think it's Nick Larky. It is, yeah. I have been on the train for Corbett saying that he's got a much higher fantasy ceiling. Larky relies on a lot of goals to get his fantasy scores, so Corbett took a few more marks against West Coast, and hopefully he can keep getting me 60s and generating some cash. Parted ways with Parker, and Jack Petricelli might go this week so I can uh, land a premium forward. I'll talk about a bit later, but Grind Myers is quickly becoming my favourite player in my team after his 90, which was fantastic to see. Willem Drew is also on the chopping block. I'm not really sure how I'm going to go with that one. They have a favourable fantasy fixture coming up, but if it can get me a decent player, I've got no problems chopping him out. All in all, there were a couple of uh, misfires, but things aren't too bad. If Constable and Scrimshaw are named this week, then that definitely boosts me, and I have a lot of players playing, and I'll have to get a bit creative with some of my trade thoughts. Diving into the favourite five, and before I pump up Elliot Yo's tyres, I want to tell you a little story about my friend Chris Tassel, who is actually second overall in the competition, and I was talking to him on the weekend, and on Friday night he told me he had a couple of cans and decided to trade in Elliot Yo. I didn't really put a rocket up him, but uh, I didn't go uh, celebrating the move. I told him that it was a dangerous move, and you got to risk it to get the biscuit sometimes, and it panned off, because Elliot Yo outscored every other AFL fantasy player this round. He has definitely been uh, living up to his Yo-Yo nickname to start the year. His 146 was boosted by 12 tackles, which is fantastic to see, and yeah, if he's going to be putting more numbers up like this, I mean, you can't really trust him, but he had a 70 and 100, I think, in the two games prior to this, so who knows what to expect from Elliot Yo, but this round, he was definitely on fire. The plus four really hurts me to say it goes to Josh Dunkley, who was in probably 25% of teams at the start of the year. I don't know exactly his ownership numbers right now, but I tell you what, there weren't many coaches who held him this far and benefited from a huge 145. Playing that pure midfield role, hopefully he can do this again on the weekend, because if so, he'll be almost the number one trade target in the forward lines. He's come down about 150, almost 200 grand from his starting price. So this is the Dunkley that we saw in the second half of last season, when he had four scores in his last five games over 115. So if he's going to be playing much more midfield time and doing that type of stuff, then he's going to be quickly become a hot fantasy topic. Plus three goes to a dude who... I will probably look to get in in the next couple of weeks. Doesn't really... Well, it does kind of suit my buy structure, but I bloody love Andrew Gaff, and his fantasy game is unlike many players in the competition. He isn't known for his tackles, but still managed to get six on the weekend and dropped 140-plus, so... Yeah, these type of numbers is going to probably see Gaffy be right up there in the top three or five players in average-wise. He missed a couple of games to start the year, so total scores probably out the window, but... Yeah, tell you what, there's a couple of coaches considering bringing Gaffey in this week, and it's hard to argue with the numbers he's putting up right now. The plus two goes to Dane Zorko, who had a season best on the weekend, 136. We've known that when he doesn't get tagged, he's capable of putting up 110, 115, plus even, so 
has a huge fantasy ceiling. I don't really trust him just yet. Similar to Elliot Yo, we do know that he can dish up 50s and 60s and even worse sometimes. So he is going to be a very polarizing fantasy player for the rest of his career. Hopefully he can keep shaking the tag and become a candidate. He's dropped quite a bit in price, I think in the mid to low 600 grand mark at the moment. So one to keep an eye on, that's for sure. Plus one, I'll be honest, Caleb Daniel was a little bit unlucky not to get this, but I couldn't not give it to Riley O'Brien. There were very few coaches who took the punt on him after his first couple of games, and I was someone who wasn't a huge O'Brien advocate. I kind of maybe talked a few people out of it, sorry to those coaches, but he had 120 on the weekend against Freo and did it in a variety of ways. He got a lot of the footy, took a couple of marks, had plenty of hit outs, so if you did hold on to him, he's someone that's probably going to be worth... 550, 600 grand very shortly. And when you can turn him down to maybe an Archie Smith type when he, or if he sees game time later in the year, then it's going to prove to be a bloody masterstroke. So well done to the coaches that didn't listen to my advice and brought in Riley O'Brien. There is absolutely no other way it can start the frustrating five. It goes to danger. I know he was hurt. I know he was hampered. Similar to Whitfield last week, he had to play a lot of full forward and spent a lot of time sitting in the goal square, but Bloody hell, mate. This is not what we expected from the third most popular captain option this week. He had 38, finished on 40, but had two points taken away after uh, the game finished. What makes matters worse is he could have had a goal and boosted his score quite considerably, but decided to loosely handball it over the top to Jordan Clark, who wasn't ready for it, and it ran through for a behind. So that play kind of sums up his game, and in effect, a lot of coaches' fantasy weekends. The neg four, this bloke has no excuse. It goes to Tom Libertore, who... I'm, look, I'm all in the bandwagon of trading him out, but he's worth 550 grand now, so there's not a hell of a lot you can get to. It's a bit painful for those guys that were forced to hold him last week after another stinker. He's had a 70, a 50, and now a sub-40... Yeah, God, you got to get rid of him if you can, but hopefully you can bounce back and drop an 80-plus. It's not impossible. We've seen the start of the year, I think, from memory, he had three tons in four games. So playing very weird role at the moment for the Bulldogs. And look, I'll be honest, I, if I was an owner, I would look to get him out straight away, even though he might bounce back. Even if you have to go down to someone like Hatley or maybe even his teammate Bailey Smith, it's not a terrible choice. The negative three goes to Tomothy Rockcliffe, who's starting to look like the 2018 version of Rocky that none of the fantasy community loved, playing a little bit more time forward than we will like. Did spend a bit of time in the midfield. I think Fantasy Freako tweeted out that he had the third most centre bounce attendances uh, for Port Adelaide, so hopefully he can kick his ass into gear with a favourable fixture coming up. He is on thin ice though, and we do need to hold our premiums, back him in, especially someone like Rocky, who's got an enormous ceiling, but it's going to take some balls to hold on to him if he keeps dropping sub-70s. In the same vein, the negative two goes out to Angus Brayshaw for his 65. Only had one mark and zero tackles, which is very alarming. His tackling hasn't been... Well, it's been non-existent, really, through the first part of the fantasy season, so this is the Brayshaw that uh, a lot of coaches were afraid of, but... We all expected far more triple-figure scores in 120s, so hopefully with the Gold Coast up this weekend, he can bounce back instantly. Finally, the negative one goes out to Isaac Heaney, who just continues to be a bit like Elliot Yo and Dane Zorko, just a bloody roller coaster. You don't know what you're going to get from Heaney. He reminds me a bit of uh, Christian Petrarca. Very pumped up and expected to see midfield time and be this fantasy stud, but just keep scoring in the 70s and 80s, and this weekend, drop the 67. So if you're an owner, I'd hold... He has uh, pretty favourable numbers against Essendon, who he's got on the weekend. But yeah, 
pretty tough to see a, a situation where you'd want to be trading him in just yet. For your trade tactics, I want to highlight three players in particular to uh, lead this off. Three studs, in my opinion, who are probably ripe for the picking right now. And those three, well, let's be honest, they are quite expensive and you've got to pay up for them. But it comes, you know, if you want production, you've got to pay up for it. And the two I'm speaking of mainly in the midfield is Zach Merritt and Andrew Gaff. Now, they do have two different buy rounds. So if you're looking at getting one in particular, then I would probably take that into consideration. Adam Trelaw is probably worth a mention as well, but Gaff and uh, Zach Merritt are probably two hot trade targets this week. If you've got someone like a Charlie Constable and you're able to downgrade Petrocelli to a Josh Corbett type or maybe you want to get rid of Willem Drew and you've got a lot of money to play with, bringing those two dudes is a, in is a good idea. The other dude who you want to consider that I personally will be bringing in this week is Trav Boak. Struggled to score against Collingwood, but still managed to get 105. It's crazy to say that he struggled to score, but... Collingwood are a very restrictive fantasy team, and we've seen that in the past six rounds uh, before this weekend. So for Bokey to get to 100 is a great sign that he should be a premium your target moving forward. We'll probably finish the year as a top two or three uh, scoring forward, and like I said, someone I'm going to bring in and you definitely should consider. From the rookie front, we're stuck in a little bit of a tough position because there's no real bona fide studs and downgrade targets right now. A lot of rookies have either made too much money for them to be viable downgrade choices or there aren't really any 170k basement type of guys uh, highlighting as good trade downs. So Noah Ainsworth in your back line is a little bit dearer than you'd like to get. However, he seems like a pretty solid get. And up forward, it's probably Josh Corbett who is the main target. He scored a 59 on the weekend, which isn't fantastic, but if you can keep junking 60s on your bench and get to 300 grand, much like Matthew Parker did for a lot of coaches, then they're probably your safest bets right now. Trade out blokes. First things first, if you've got Taylor Adams, it sucks. I know a couple of blokes that brought him in this week for Constable. You're going to want to get rid of him because he has an injury that will sideline him for a few weeks. If you can, try and go up, but it's tough because he's awkwardly priced, similar to Libba, who I'll talk about in a minute. But sitting at 620 grand from memory, you can still hopefully get Adams up to someone decent. I don't mind the idea of Nathan Fife as well, who's someone I haven't talked about a lot this year, but is starting to look like a genuine fantasy option. And I think JLo said uh, in the last couple of days that he's someone he'll bring in. So definitely worth a choice. But yeah, Dale Adams has got to go, much like Libba, but. It's a really tricky position. If you can't get Libertore up to anything noteworthy and you've maybe already got Will Hayes and Jack Ross and Charlie Constable in your team, then there's it hurts, but you might have to hold him and hope, pray to God that he does something better. If you can go down and get a decent midfielder, maybe even Sydney Stack if you don't own him, then I suggest doing that. But otherwise, don't go scrambling to try and get someone in the low to mid 600 grand mark if you can't really get to someone that you're happy with bringing in. A few cash cows who have topped out in price. Like I said, I axed Matthew Parker last week and he had a 50-odd, or might have been a 59, just under 60 on the weekend. So he's probably still potentially making a little bit of coin, but it's almost time to go. The same can be said with Jack Petrocelli. His break-even's now in the 50s, so getting rid of one of them, especially for Corbett, is probably a safe trade at the moment. Failing that in defence, you're probably going to want to axe Tim Wilkie after his 30. I knew he couldn't be trusted, the bastard. I tried to give him a chance and he let me down, so he's got to go. And there's not a hell of a lot else to get in the midfield, but if you own Zach Butters, then you might want to chop him out. Maybe 
hope that we get some fresh meat, like I said. Even Jordan Ridley down back, he's probably someone that has topped out now as well in price, so you could consider an Ainsworth type, maybe even a Lockie Young from the Bulldogs. So they're probably the rookies that I'd look to get rid of first. Charlie Constable, if he doesn't play, is obviously someone that has to go from your side. I'm a little bit torn, and personally, I'm not fully committed to trading him out, only because I'm clinging to small hope that he'll return the following week. Put decent numbers up in the juniors, had a in the juniors, in the reserves, I should say. Had 25 touches, 11 tackles, a 126 from memory. But if you can get an upgrade, it's worth ditching him and chasing a rookie and then turning that uh, cash that you generate into a noteworthy player. Before I dive into my trades, let's talk some waiver wire moves. And in your draft, I think the hot draft target at the moment is Hugh McCluggage. He's got a three-round average in triple figures and looked pretty good for the Lions on the weekend. Played a not a complete fantasy game, but kicked a couple of snags and did his role nicely. So he's in about 50% of league, so that's someone you could snap up. If he's not available, then Anthony Miles, who came back for the Suns, had a very good 115 as well. So he is someone that's worth taking a punt on. I think he's, from memory, in about 38% of teams. So there's two midfield targets that you could chase. In the forward line, similarly to uh, McCluggage, Darcy Parrish has strung together a few good games now, and he's in about 50% of league, so worth taking a chance on. If you don't have the uh, flexibility to grab him and you're playing in deeper leagues, then it's probably worth considering Brian Myers. He will now that I've said his score is 60 or 70 on the weekend, but might be worth a bench piece, even give you an emergency, a reliable guy, and He's putting up starter numbers right now, so he could be someone that you take a punt on sitting in about 11% of teams right now. On the ruck front, I tell you what, Riley O'Brien and Tim English are in decent chunk of teams right now, but are both worth considering and probably both worth starting. I do... I'm not a Riley O'Brien hater, but I know that if Sauce Jacobs gets up and about and is healthy, that O'Brien will probably make way for him. So English is the one that I'd lean to as a bit of a more reliable option. However, they're both worth starting and worth adding if they're on your bench and you need an option right now. And down back, Hayden Crozier, much like McCluggage, has put up some pretty good numbers in the past few weeks, and he did play Richmond on the weekend, which was a beneficial for his big 116, but he's someone that you could take a punt on, probably start safely. I think he's averaging about 80 for the year, so not terrible numbers, that's for sure. High 70s at least, and Draft leagues, you're not going to get the cream of the crop at every position, so plus or 75 plus is probably a good uh, good contribution in defence. And failing that, you could always take a chance on someone like Nathan Wilson from the Dockers. He has Richmond this weekend, and we've seen that they give up a lot of marks and decent numbers, so there's a few options for you down back to consider for your draft leagues too. Before I wrap this thing up, I think my moves this week are going to be getting rid of Constable and Petrocelli. Now, I don't really know what downgrade target to chase. I managed to get Ainsworth and Corbett last week, and there's not a lot, like I've mentioned, of reliable downgrade targets at the moment. If Lachlan, Lung, Lachlan Young, I think it's Lachlan Young and not Lewis, there's two, what's the chances of there being a Lockie and a Lewis Young on the Bulldogs? I'm pretty sure it's Lockie Young, is the guy who's putting up solid numbers, had a 70 on the weekend, and he might be the bloke that I downgrade, get a little bit fancy and do some DPP moves to put him onto my defensive bench. If Matt Suckling's named, though, then I have a feeling that Young will be shown the door. However, if Suckling comes back and Young holds his spot, then I'll definitely look at bringing in Young. Failing that, I hope we can get Brent Bewley and Nick Hind in this week. I don't think we will. They both had 80s in the reserves this week, and seems like they're going to be a couple of weeks away, but 
are not comfortable throwing away a bench position just yet and hoping that they get a debut. So Young is a definitely a choice for me. That'll probably allow me to get rid of Petrocelli and Constable and bring in Trav Boak. I am eyeing off Andrew Gaff, like I've mentioned, but I think it's smart for me to get Boak with his DPP flexibility that almost gives me a complete forward line. And I can swing Drew into my midfield to give me a more reliable midfielder, but... That's how I'm thinking at the moment, but team selections, I'm sure, will uh, throw me a spanner in the works and I'll have to change my tactics once again. And that is around seven wrap-up. Thank you for tuning in via the podcast or YouTube. I'm going to do a post-team selection uh, Q&A podcast with a few other hot topics on Thursday night. So once teams are announced, I'll probably put up an announcement on Twitter and Instagram to hit me up with your questions. Of course, on Wednesday, I'll do my Dream Team Talk cash cows piece. So like I said, not a lot of downgrade targets, but I'll dig through the reserve numbers and see if there's anyone who could be a chance to make their debut or at least come back into the fold this week. Otherwise, good luck in round eight. Thank God round seven is behind us. Hopefully, we can return back to our premiums playing like actual premiums and we can nail the rookie roulette picks on the field. But... Until then, thanks for tuning in. Peace.